Happy day before Thanksgiving, everybody, and welcome to Richard Skipper Celebrates. And I'm not alone. I've got Tesla Bella here. Uh, are you muted? Uh, can uh, uh, can you guys hear me? Not if you can in the wings. They could all hear me. So test something's go out and come back in. So I'll tell you what's happening today, everyone. It's National Jukebox Day. And this is a celebration every year, the day before Thanksgiving, celebrating music and the soundtracks of our life. So I reached out to several of my favorite artists who are all waiting in the wings today. And we're going to come on and we're going to talk about their favorite songs, uh, the music that they make. Uh, and here is Tess again. Hi. There she is. Hey. <laughs> so how you, you look gorgeous, first of all. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You always look so handsome, Richard. Um, I, I'm pink. I'm always pink. Well, that's the energy of love. That's Maybe the it's the energy of love. of love. But anyway, I am so glad that you are here today. And, thank you. you know, this is one of my favorite times of year. Uh, a lot of people um, become Grinches and they poo-poo. Uh, the holiday music that's piping through every store. But I love this for two reasons. Number one, some of the greatest singers that ever lived uh, are all being heard again this time of year. So and true. I think it's a great way to go out each year. And also, it, it brings back and evokes memories uh, of our childhoods. Uh, last night, uh, I had a gentleman on the show, and we were talking about the old record stores. And I used to love to go into the record stores and just go through the record bins. And it was the artwork, it was the music, it was everything that came together. And I want to ask you, Tess, what was the first album? Or do you remember the first oh, album? Oh, I do. Oh, I okay. do. It was the Beatles. Yeah. It was the Beatles. And you remember Newberries, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So when my mom would take us to Newberries in the very, very front of the store, they had all the 45s and all the albums. And I went over to the albums and I saw the Beatles. And I, I came home and I played that thing till my mother wanted to run to England. <laughs> okay. and, and bring uh, them back. And bring them back and yeah. and make them disappear like all the Italians know how to do, make people disappear. <laughs> anyway. And their music still holds up so uh, wonderfully. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite uh, track from that album? Uh, yes, I do. Um, it's A Hard Day's Night, and she was just 17. And so, you were you 17 or younger? Oh, gosh, I was younger. I was born in 59. I just celebrated. I'll be, I'm 64. Did I catch you? No, no, no. I'm catching you. I'm going to be 63 in two months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so you maybe know, I was, what was I, would be seven, maybe? Six. Yeah. Uh, the first album I ever bought was The Best of Judy Garland, which tells uh, you everything you need to know about me. Yeah. And I was uh, and I was eight years old. <laughs> what was the name of the album? The Best of Judy Garland. Oh, The Best of Judy Garland. Okay. Yes. Well, Tess, I am excited about today's show because we have six incredible artists waiting in the wings. And all of these men make incredible music. And we're yeah, going to talk do. about that today. Okay, great. But before we do, I've laid out six mystery questions. Okay. And I'm going to pull a number one through six. And I'm going to try the, to tie the question into today's theme. Let's Sounds see how good. well I do. Okay. okay. 
three. Number three. And the question is, how do you get in the way of your own success? And that's a good question for you. Um, your ego. Yes. Your ego will always take you down. You have to stay humble and you have to, I mean, you have to have confidence, of course, but you can't have an ego. You really, you really have to have it in a healthy way and yes. let others toot your horn and not you toot your own horn. Well, none of our guests today have egos. So none. They're, not, they're not, they're not getting in the way of their success. So I want you to pull a number one through five and we will bring on our first guest. I hope you're all ready, guys. Because uh, uh, and our guest, he's a mystery guest, and that's oh, Richard, he is? Uh, Richard Holbrook. Hello, Richard. Hi. Hello, Richard. Are oh. you with us? Hello, Richard. Hello, Chad. Happy Thanksgiving. Hi, Richard. So, Richard uh, joined us at the last minute Hi. today, so everybody's here. And Richard, you would send out an email. Normally, at this time of year, you put together a holiday show. Um, mm -hmm. which I've been lucky enough to attend a few times. Right. Um, you're not doing it this year, but you're going to be bringing a show back in February. And the details of that will be on my YouTube channel. Uh, but what is it about the music of this time of Thank year you. that resonates with you, Richard? Well, it, it brings back uh, memories of, um, of my childhood, uh, brings back a lot of nostalgia. Also, uh, the music I grew up listening to, um, like Richard, you said your first uh, album that you got was the best of Judy Garland. That was my first album. And um, <laughs> uh, I got I grew up listening to Bing Crosby and uh, and 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 uh, Vera Lynn and uh, Julie Andrews and and uh, uh, Gracie Fields. All those uh, stars. Because my uh, my mother was British, and. Uh, Got introduced to British stars as well as American stars, and of course the songs of Fred Astaire, and um, especially with Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire, they are so associated with holidays, especially the movie Holiday Inn. Yes. And that I remember watching that uh, movie so uh, religiously every holiday season, and uh, having you know seeing Bing Crosby sit down at the piano singing to Marjorie Reynolds, White Christmas. It, that that oh. it, I think. Every holiday song this during this season brings back a memory for everybody, a warm, loving memory, and that's what we cling to, and that's why it's special for me. And um, I also also love the um, the King's College Choir uh, carols. Uh, I I put them on to uh, get a sense of calmness when the when the holiday season gets a bit too frenzied. But uh, no, Christmas is probably my favorite time of the year, and uh, I'm sorry I'm not doing a show this year, but. Um, I, I contract with 54, uh, with it being three months, uh, within the three month period doesn't allow for that. So, um, um, but I'm looking forward to doing a holiday show next year and looking forward to doing my show in February. And I, I'm hoping that you'll be calm and, um, it's saluting the great American songbook and, mm -hmm. uh, shows that Tom Nelson and I have put together salutes to Fred Astaire and Richard Rogers and, and, um, uh, Burton Lane. And um, also uh, songs from uh, our album from 2004, Richard Holbrook Steps Out, which contains a lot of the Fred Astaire catalog. And okay. so, uh, but I, uh, getting back to your question, I love, I love the holiday season and I love the music. And a so few years uh, ago, I'm looking forward to uh, having a nice uh, holiday season listening to songs. Yeah. Well, a few, a few years ago, I had the great fortune I uh, did when I was doing my Richard Skipper Celebrate shows live 
I reached out to Catherine Crosby to do my Christmas show. And she said yes. And uh, to be on stage oh, wow. singing White Christmas with Catherine Crosby, wow. it just took me right back to all those specials. Um, we're going to bring on our next guest in just a moment, Richard, but do you have a favorite holiday special that you look forward to, either a special or a musical film about the holidays that you look forward to every year at this time? My all-time favorite holiday film musical is Meet Me in St. Louis. That is my <laughs> all-time favorite because it, 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 brings back, it brings back memories of home, growing up in a small town, uh, all the customs and the traditions that we all, you know, we all still cling to sometimes, and uh, just 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 the feeling of family and togetherness that that film brings to me uh, every year. It, it, it never fails to hit me right where it counts, right in the heart. And um, that is probably my my favorite Christmas film of all time. And the thing is you can see it year round, you don't have to see it at Christmas, but it's just a wonderful film about family and togetherness and um, what keeps them there in St. Louis. They, they end up, I'm not gonna spoil it, but they, they end up staying in St. Louis because of all those special things that mean so much to them. Right, great. Well, we're going to bring on our next guest, but before I we do that, this, and, the, and, the, and the songs are great. Songs are great. Uh, there are five mystery questions laid out, uh, Richard. So pull a number one through five. Okay, five. And your question is um, you know, uh, and I think you just answered, uh, you know, are, I mean, a lot of people get melancholy during the holiday season. Mm. Um, do you tend to get melancholy as well? Or is mm. this a happy time for you? It's a mixture, it's a nostalgic feeling because you're, you're, you know, you're, any kind of song brings you back a certain memory. And if you feel any kind of emotion or tears coming, that's okay. That's part of the holiday season. That helps us connect with our memories and also uh, to uh, loved ones who are no longer with us and because we're thinking of them. And uh, that's what makes the holiday season so special, not just to celebrate with family around us and friends around us, but family and friends who are no longer here, just, just to think of them and that they're in our memories and in our hearts. And I think that's important. Um, and it's, so it's, if, if you feel a little um, like sniffly or a little teary-eyed, that's okay. Don't be ashamed of that because um, that's, 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 that's part of the celebration too because we're, we're remembering those who are dear to us and uh, have departed, and, uh, but they still mm. live on in our members and our hearts. Absolutely. Uh, well, uh, Tess, you're going to bring on our next guest. Uh, do you know who you're bringing on? Um, it's a number, one through four. Number four. Uh, number four. And this man, you know, one of the great things about doing this show, Tess, uh, is meeting new people, uh, some that I've never met before, I've never spoke with before today. Um, I had reached out to my dear friend Bob Egan uh, to do today's show. And Bob uh, has a show tonight celebrating the oh. music of Tony Bennett, which is live streaming, everybody. So oh, you cool. can watch it. Uh, but he mentioned... Um, a, a dear friend of his, and this sits in his basement. Can you believe this? So it's, it's appropriate that you're here today, Lou. Uh, Thank so you. 
Lou Ruvalo, and welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Hi, everybody. Hi, Lou. Great to meet you. And I have a fellow Italian, Tess. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking when I saw your name. <laughs> so, Lou, I want to talk about the jukebox. I mean, first of all, how, I mean, how did this end up in your home? And I'm sure you have incredible parties built around this piece of furniture in your basement. Yeah, so it was uh, 1985. I was working in the Bethesda, Maryland area, and there was a uh, a, sh a place there that sold pool tables and and those kinds of things, and they had these restored jukeboxes. And I remember, uh, you know, I was probably in my early 20s at that point, and I said, "Do I buy living room furniture? Or do I buy the jukebox?" And my um, my rational self said, "Buy the furniture." My more adventurous self said, you can always buy a couch. How many times are you going to have to buy uh, that? And I remember working, my manager and his wife, they said, we'll buy you pillows for, for furniture. So buy the jukebox. Um, so all these years later, um, that is the 1953 Seaberg C uh, jukebox. Um, the Seabergs, I mean, everybody, when they think of jukeboxes, thinks of Wurlitzer for the most part. AMI was another big uh, manufacturer, but Seberg actually is a uh, Swedish heritage. And um, what's really distinctive about that jukebox, number one, they had very modern technology called Selectomatic um, because this was one of the first jukeboxes that not only could play up to 50 45s that were in it, but also it could play both sides of the, of the 45. Oh, wow. So there were a hundred selections then in the jukebox. The cool thing too, is that this jukebox, go back and watch an old episode of Happy Days. The closing credits to Happy Days are superimposed over that jukebox. Yes. Not mine specifically, but right. that one. Yes, absolutely. I remember. Um, when you got it, I mean, were all of the uh, records uh, included as well with that? Absolutely or not. There were no records included. And so that became an, an interesting treasure hunt and a, and a, a kind of a quest. I have a lot of older cousins. So I asked if anybody or my aunts or so I still had the 45s at the house. You'd be surprised how many people still had them there and say, wow. take these I things. Know. I don't know what to do with them. Yes. Um, and then there is uh, there was some old record shops in the Baltimore area. And so it became kind of a, an adventure of trying to find these records and the collectibles label repress some of the original songs, which made it better because then both sides, if you think back to the whole history of 45s, the A side was generally the one that was to be promoted. The right. B side was, we have empty space, what are we going to put on it? <laughs> and we've all heard the stories of 45s that were flipped over and the B side became the hit. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. What so was the um, what was the first forty five that you bought for the yeah, yeah. All right, I'm going to date myself. Tess, we're we're coming. We come out of a similar vintage. Nice. I absolutely. We are the younger. My sisters and I are the youngest out of all of our cousins. Our first cousins are in their even in their eighties now. Um, so we were the young ones when we went visiting to visit family. They were all getting ready to go on dates, and we were left with the record player. So we had all those nice little yellow discs that we put I in. Those, yeah. Yep. And we did. Um, so we had all those great old uh, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Oh. But the first record I bought is is a real good doo-wop by a, a group called Don and Juan. And the name of the song was What's Your Name? 
I don't know that one. Wow. I could sing a few bars. Let me see if I could do this a cappella. What's your name? Oh, yes. Is okay. it Mary or Sue? What's your name? Wonderful. Great two-part harmony, and it was just pleasant. But, I mean, I fill that thing up with uh, a lot of Dion and the Belmonts. Uh, I said like, I said, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, Johnny Maestro, um, a oh, lot wow. of the old doo-wop, and the girl groups, uh, the Darlene Love and the Crystals and uh, the Chiffons. And it's just wow. – so at this older age in my 60s now, it takes me back to my youth of going to visit – kind of tying into Richard's comments – you know, every time I put that jukebox on, I think of visiting family um, yeah. and we were never left alone not to uh, to do things while the adults, we were we were sitting there playing all this great music. Wow. When I, when I, I moved to New York in 1979 and I lived in the Bronx and there was an old jukebox in this bar uh, that uh, we all used to hang out in. I was part of a theater group and that was where we went after each rehearsal. And I almost got thrown out of the bar because uh, they, there was a 45 of, are you ready for this? Lena Horne singing Rocky Raccoon. <laughs> and I played it over, over and over because I thought it was the most unique <laughs> thing I had ever heard. Um, Lou, yeah. we're gonna bring on our next guest, but before we yeah. do, and I want you to uh, stick around, um, we've got four mystery cards laid out. So pull a number one through four. Three. And your card is, um, if you could meet, I'm going to make this about today. Okay. If you could meet one person that is represented by your jukebox and have dinner with that person, who would it be and why? Um, that, that's that's hard only because I, I could come up with all kinds of names on that. But um, I would probably pick someone who's still living. Um and I, that would probably be Dion DiMucci. Oh, wow. Oh, a good God. boy from the Bronx. Nice. Another fellow Italian. Um, but that sound that, that you know, everybody can think back to a song like A Teenager in Love or Run Around Sue. I did that last night with Bob live. It's, uh, it's so kind of cool and brings back such great memories. And that's Bob Egan that you're referring to. So. Yes. And Bob, I thank you for bringing Lou to the show today and into our lives. So thank you for yes. being here. Uh, so Tess, you pull our next guest on, door number one, two or three. Two. And, um, and I am thrilled that he is here because we knew each other many years ago. And uh, life has taken us in opposite directions. Uh, but it's good to see you, Glenn. Oh, Richard, so lovely to see you, sir. And Glenn, you know, is one of the busiest arrangers on Broadway. How many shows do you have represented right now? Four right now. And they are? Wait, listen. Uh, well, the Spamalot Revival, so that, that's the fourth. But I did Some Like It Hot and uh, Book of Mormon and Aladdin are playing now. Oh, wow. So what can we expect? Uh, that's it, I love Some Like It Hot. I love it. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. It's, it was not as successful as we hoped. It's closing in a few weeks. But Glenn, um, Richard, I'm glad you brought that up uh, because Glenn, uh, everybody loves the show. Everybody. I have it's... not heard of any detractors. And why do you think that it is closing? Um, well, people didn't buy tickets. There's that was that old saying: if if somebody if, if they don't want to come to see something, you can't stop them. That's right. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, is it is it over for old fashioned musicals, perhaps? 
Oh, I, I hope not. That, no. I would be sad if that's the case. Me too. Yeah, you know. I mean, of, of the last of the shows I last season. Of the shows last season, I think Anne Juliet was the only big hit, you know, which was a jukebox show. A very good one, mm. I thought. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's it's saddening, but I think it'll have a life. I, I think there'd be a tour. I think maybe it would do better in London, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Andrew Lloyd Webber wants to produce it in London, I hear. Oh, wow. Because he really liked it. So we'll see. Glenn, do you remember the first album that you bought? Oh. I was great. I've, I'm trying to remember. I remember because I had no money as a, as a kid. And there were, if you went to record stores, there were cut out records. They were records that would be very cheap. So there were some cast albums there, like I had Skyscraper, and wow. I had um, Stop the World, and I had, you know, mm. stuff like that. So whatever was very cheap to buy. The first full price albums I remember buying was Godspell and Pippin. Pippin. Oh. I was a pianist, and those 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 scores sound great on piano, and I just I just loved those a lot when I was a kid. Well, Glenn, you're pretty much, from what I understand, reading your bio, that you are self-taught. And uh, how, how did the, uh, how did you get through that door on Broadway, and how did that all begin for you? Um, I was mostly doing nightclub. I, I played for Sharon McKnight, who some of you might know. I was yeah. her pianist when I was living in San Francisco, and then I mean, yes. moved to New York, and I was playing piano bars all over the place. I played the original duplex, and then I started doing auditions. Uh, because I was a good sight reader and I knew a lot of songs. So you do auditions and then people kind of know you and then you become a rehearsal pianist and I could think on my feet. So then I became an arranger. It, it, it's like that. It's destiny too. I, yeah. I really believe that. I believe it's destiny with that. Also, I was close friends with Peter Howard who gave me such uh-huh. encouragement. One of the great geniuses of Broadway. Um, I miss him. Miss him. Yeah, I, I do too. He was he was swell, that guy. Um, but he, and, he, he gave me a huge amount of help when I was starting out. Uh, Glenn, um, from the beginnings of your uh, career until where you are right now, um, the business has changed a lot. We've all experienced that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you like most about the industry now? And what do you miss that was really in place when you first got started? Oh, that's going to be awfully hard. What do I like about it now? I don't like it as now as, as I did like five years ago. Before the pandemic, I felt like Broadway was really booming. It was like, like there was so much going on. After last season, almost almost none of the new shows caught on, even even like the best winner, which was, uh, oh, forgive me. What won best musical last year? Uh, oh, I'm, I'm trying to think. Um... Which was terrific. Just, you know, it's not doing terrific business. And just, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I mean, I, I miss when it was just more booming and just more going on, I guess. But, you know, I think across the board, I mean, the movie industry is suffering. Uh, People are just not leaving their homes anymore. And I think a lot of it has to do with this little thing right here that uh, people are live streaming. They're doing everything. Um, I remember uh, seeing an interview uh, when William Shatner was doing uh, his one man show on Broadway. And he was on Larry King. And Larry King says, what do you attribute to your success? And he said, I get out of the house. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and that's what it's about. Get out of the house. Go see. And there's nothing like the experience 
of, um, I was listening to an interview mm -hmm. last night with Richard Thomas, who's doing the national tour of To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm -hmm. And he says that in film, he said, you know, at the rap party, you'll be meeting people that you didn't even know were part of the process. Wow. And then, but in the theater, everybody comes together every night. And even if you're not on stage with certain people, you're hearing them on the monitor, you're experiencing this uh, experience together. And there's nothing like the live experience. Mm -hmm. so, no, we were talking about those cast albums I bought. Right now, because I have Spotify, I can just, staying at home, listen to every cast album of my dreams, which is wonderful, but it's hard not to miss what it was like to walk into a record store and look around, buy, buy something you might never have thought of buying. I, right. I, I miss that so very much. Yeah. Mm. So, well, Glenn, we're going to bring on our next guest. Fantastic. And before we do, uh, yeah. there are three mystery questions laid out. So let's mm -hmm. uh, pull the number one through three. Well, let's do one. And your question is, uh, I love this because I've always wanted to ask you this question. Oh, What's God. the most illegal thing that you've ever done in your profession? In my profession? Illegal? Yes. Oh, God, what a question. <laughs> how, how many people watch this? Uh, uh, just to, uh, just no one's watching. <laughs> I have no idea how to uh, illegal thing within my profession. I oh Richard, I'm stumped. If I think of something later, I'm such uh, a just raise your hand and tell us. Yes, I'm such, a, I'm such a good boy. I know I, you I, are. You know, I, I obey <laughs> the rules, and you know I might have inadvertently done illegal stuff. I I mean. We threw in a lot of, uh, when I did something rotten, we threw in a lot of like show tunes from, from other places. So that might have been illegal. Although no, I don't think we ever got called on it. So well, if something more exciting comes to mind, I'll let you know. But I'm, I don't know. Another one of my favorite uh, nights in the theater, something rotten, phenomenal. Well, fun, yeah. Uh, yes. So bring on our next guest, either door number one or door number two. Um, uh, Tess, it's in your hands. One. Uh, well, you get two for the price of one uh, because we have Seth Sykes and Nicholas. Hi, guys. Hello, everybody. Hi. So last night, uh, Seth Sykes uh, did uh, an incredible performance based on what I've heard uh, at 54 Below. And Seth, you joined him last night as well. Listen, I'm so humble. I mean, uh, Nicholas. It was fantastic. <laughs> Well, it was, it was wonderful because Seth, Seth is always tributing <laughs> various divas and various performers. And last night, uh, he didn't tribute anybody. He, he tributed more so the songs that he loves himself. And I thought it was it was pretty cool. It was great. That's great. And actually, actually, I debuted uh, a song written by Glenn Kelly. It's a trunk song from Glenn's, we found in Glenn's basement that he wrote a long time ago, for like 30 years ago. Wow. It was? It's called I'm Just a Torch Singer. It's a song yeah. about a torch singer who, who who finally finds somebody wonderful to be with, and now he can't sing anything anymore. There's nothing to sing about. That, that's that's the hilarious premise that the song is built on. Were you there last night, Lynn? Sorry. Were you at the show last night? No, I wasn't actually. I was I was kind of frightened to see Seth do it for the first time, but I hear it was. Well, so. It did go well. But Glenn, tell him where you were last night. Oh, we saw um, uh, I Can Get It For You Wholesale, which has a lot of good things in it. And, uh, well, uh, well, Seth, I'll ask you this question. Um, because Have you seen it yet? 
No, I haven't. And I, I want to because I'm listening to Barbara's uh, uh, book and she's talking about, you know, yes. her experience in the show. So I, I really want to see it. Have you seen it, Richard? I haven't seen it, but I'm also listening to the book. And I have to tell you, when the book came out, Ben Bradley from the New York Times wrote, I am at the gym listening to Barbara Streisand's audiobook. And by the time she finishes, I will have a buff body. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's 48 hours and 15 minutes. And I, <laughs> and I have to tell you, I, and Seth, I, I, you probably feel the same way. I can't get enough. I feel like I'm sitting in a living room listening to her tell these stories. Wow. It is like that. It is like. <laughs> it is incredible. I, I think if I were to listen to it at the gym, I don't think it would help because she talks about food so much. I feel like I gain about 12 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> She's a foodie. She's a foodie. So Seth and Nicholas, uh, you can decide who will go first. Uh, the first CD that either of you bought. <laughs> or the first album. Well, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go first since we're on the topic. Uh, <laughs> it was at uh, the Colony Record Store, um, and mm. I bought uh, Barbara Streisand's Greatest Hits Volume 1. <laughs> the one where she got the big wig on. Now, yes, I, yes. I, I didn't, um, you know, I... I had one a, a, a CD player, a Walkman. Is that, is that what they were called? A Walkman. Discman. Yes, Walkman. Yeah, and I won it at a raffle, and I had no CDs to play, and so I I, I begged my mother's like, oh, yeah, I want to buy, I want to buy a CD. So we went in there, and I loved perusing through that Colony Records. That was it was it felt like you know Wonderland for me. It was like it was, it was a little paradise, and I found this. I was like, this is the one that I want. And it was like, you know, 20 bucks, which was, you know, a lot. But, but I was so excited to, to play it. And I put it in my, with my little headphones and I, I just was nuts about it. And Seth? I'm having trouble remembering the first album I bought. But I, there, the two that I remember um, are Boys to Men. <laughs> and uh, the soundtrack for Singing in the Rain. Which oh. is my favorite movie as a kid. Well, which they're both very similar. <laughs> <laughs> but when are you going to do your boys to men tribute? That's our next interactive boys to men. So there are two, I mean, there are three questions left, uh, and I will start uh, with you, Nicholas. Uh, pull a number one through three. Two. And your question is, um, what was what is the most truthful moment that you feel that you've ever had singing a song? Yeah. Oh, um, well, I think it, not to get depressing on everybody, but um, when uh, when we produced Mike Renzi's memorial concert uh, at Birdland, uh, the 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 idea that I had as the finale was to use uh, the final recording that he and I had done together before he passed, which was the song, Johnny Mercer's song, I Remember You. And mm. um, I, I, I took the vocals out and we just had the, the, the piano play. And I, the way that I, I had it staged was such that I wanted a spotlight to come down, I wanted the whole room to go dark and I wanted a spotlight down just on, on the keys and just to let Mike's sound fill, fill the air. And then I came in at the end and, and sang a little bit at the end, but, um, you know, with those lyrics, when my life is through and the angels ask me to recall the thrill of it all, I'll tell them that I remember you. I mean, I don't know that I've ever meant a lyric more in, in that moment because Mike was so special to me, as as you yes. know, and we worked together for so long. And just to to have that moment and then to walk off the stage and just let Mike's, 
Mike's piano fill fill the stages as a housewife Mark was just I think that was probably the most um special thing. I, I think I, I've never sung those lyrics the same since, actually. That's wow. amazing. Beautiful. And uh, uh Seth, uh there are two wow. parts left. One or two. Uh one. And your question is uh what value do you care about the most in this business that you feel that you're not currently living? What value? Yes. I have no idea how to answer this question. <laughs> well, while you think about that, we're going to bring on our next guest because he's been waiting patiently in the wings. And I am so thrilled that Steve March Torme, also known as LeBron James, uh, is joining us today. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Hey, by the way, Tess, I've got to bring this up with you since I am a bit of a Beatle file, as, as Nick knows. Uh, the song you referred to as She Was Just 17 is actually called I Saw Her Standing There. And it's um, on that album, which is the first album I bought, which was Meet the Beatles. So, Oh, my God. Thank you for that. You know, when you're a kid, it's almost like when you say the Hail Mary and all the words are wrong because you've learned. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you, you should mention that Lena Horne singing Rocky Raccoon. Say it again. What is it again? I'm sorry? P please tell me that. the name again. I saw her standing there. I That's the name of the song. Standing there, okay. And you haven't lived until you haven't lived until you've heard Shatner sing "Rocky Raccoon." That's a whole. <laughs> so, Glenn, what were you saying? Pardon me. Glenn just said something. Oh no, no, I was just mentioning that, uh, about Lena Horne singing "Rocky Raccoon." "Rocky Raccoon" is a Beatles song, so yes, it is. Oh yes, written of course. By, it is. by Paul McCartney. So James Paul McCartney wrote that. There one. you go. What it? <laughs> so, Steve, uh, what was the first album that you ever bought? I think it was Meet the Beatles, I'm pretty sure. And we all remember uh, they were in silhouette. Uh, half their faces were dark. Mm -hmm. And at that time, their hair, which is about the same length as, as Nicholas's right now, our parents said, you're not wearing your hair like that. I said, yeah. in 30 years, you'll be thankful I'm wearing my hair like that. <laughs> and that's a, that's a great album. It was uh, a bunch of really cool tunes on it. Did you perform any of the Beatles songs in your uh, in your? Oh opinion? yeah, we do a number. We you know we have I've got a bunch of holiday so, uh, shows coming up called, ironically for kids from one to ninety two, and oh wow. And when we're not doing that one, uh, as Nick also knows, I got a group called Steam out here in the Midwest, and we do lots of cover stuff, oh. including some Beatles tunes. Now, may I, since we are talking about the holidays, may I share a joke with you quickly? Oh, because yeah, I hate people to draw jokes. So a guy walks into a bar, sits down, and he says to the bartender, hey, uh, if I show you something really amazing, can I get a free drink? And the guy says, sure, show me what you got. So he pulls a mouse out of his pocket, and he puts it on the bar, and he pulls out a little tiny piano, and the mouse starts playing the piano like Oscar Peterson. And the bartender says, wow, that is, that's it. You got a free drink coming. The guy says, what if I show you something more amazing, and I drink all night for free? The guy says, well, give it a shot. So he pulls a frog out of his other pocket, sits the frog down, the mouse starts playing piano. The frog starts singing like Nat King Cole. Unbelievable. The guy says, that is amazing. You're drinking for free all night. A guy at the end of the bar comes down and says, I've been listening to this. He says, I tell you what, I'll give you $1,000 for the frog right now. The guy says, nah, I can't do that. The frog's a big moneymaker for me. He goes, I can't. He says, I tell you what, I'll give you $10,000 in cash right now for the frog. The guy says, I can't turn that down. The frog is yours. The guy takes the frog. He's so happy. He walks out. The bartender comes to the guy. He goes, why'd you do that? Why did you sell that frog? It's probably worth millions to you. He goes, well, the mouse is also a ventriloquist. 
<laughs> it's, it's, I only know three clean jokes. That's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. the joke about the talking dog. Do you know the joke? And the guy uh, passes a house, and there's a sign, talking dog, please take him away from here. And the guy says, I got to see this. He pulls up to the house, and he goes in, and he says, do you really have a talking dog? And he says, yes, he's in the back. So he goes out, the dog is sitting in the back, and the dog says, I don't know why they want to get rid of me. I've lived in the White House. I've lived in Buckingham Palace. I've traveled the world. Everything is wonderful, and they want to get rid of me. And he said, this is amazing. And he goes back out to the guy, and he says, why do you want to get rid of this dog? And he says, because he's a liar. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> So, Steve, we're going to have a little fun with everybody in a moment, but uh, we've got one question left, and it's yours. Okay. And, um, you know, in your business, looking back, do you feel, I, I don't like the word on the card, mistake. What do you feel is the biggest lesson that you've learned in this business that has propelled you to the next level? Well, it, it kind of plays a little bit on what Tess said about ego, but the truth is what I've learned and again, I, I keep referring to Nick because I know Nick in this group of people, and uh, I think he's a terrific singer. Absolutely. And I've, I've learned uh, over the last, especially the last 10 years, the valuable lesson of less is more. Oh, because I... because uh, very often when you start out, and especially being a second generation, and people, oh, Mel Torme's your oh, yeah, dad. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure I felt at the beginning, hey, wait till you hear me and all the stuff I can do. And yeah, you think dad's good and Throw, throw too much into the kitchen. And I've learned over time when I became hopefully a good singer uh, that less is more. I think that's a valuable lesson. The other thing I learned is when I, and Nick saw me in concert, what, a few months ago when we did the Oshkosh Jazz Festival, I've learned that I no longer sing for me. It's no longer about, hey, what can I get out of this? And, you know, I hope chicks are watching me on stage. <laughs> I, I sing completely for the audience. My whole experience now is I want them to come away saying, you know what? I had a wonderful time listening to him and I was affected emotionally. Wow. That's a big lesson for me. This is a spoiler. If you, any of you were listening or reading Barbara's book, you can sh uh, shut me off for a minute. Wow. But uh, it's it tells this great story in the book that after her first album came out, do you, have you gotten this far in the book, uh, Seth? Yes. After her first album came out, she received an e a letter uh, from uh, Arthur Lawrence berating her. And he just ripped her up one side and down the other. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and he said, I, I know you're going to take this letter the wrong way, but I really mean this in the greatest um, of advice to you. And she wrote back to him and she said, I agree with everything you've said. And she said that, you know, it's all about learning from what we've gone through and taking that advice and moving forward. Um, right. Tess, you're going to go around with uh, uh, Seth. Uh, Nick, uh, Nick, did you want to say well, I just wanted to add to, at the end of that story is that when that record won, you know, a Grammy, uh, she said she found it was very, very important that he didn't reach out to congratulate her. <laughs> and that she learned a lesson on that too is that you know you could show a little bit of graciousness, a little bit of humility, and she always that always stuck with her. That's that, right. That's right. The time to write her a novel to, to to lacerate the record, but when it won the Grammy, he didn't even didn't even wow. say. And that one segment of the book is show business in a nutshell. Yeah. It truly huh. is. It's hilarious. Uh, Ted, you want to ask uh, anyone anything uh, before we move on? Um, I'll just I'll just say a random observation, um, not actually just a question. I love most of all that 
the gift that you've all been given just resonates every single time you're on the stage, every time you open your mouth, every time you share it, it is a gift. And I love that every one of you share that gift in your own unique way, but you, you're you very loving and generous with it. That's my observation because I did my homework too and I know all your work and it, it just is, it's just wonderful that you knew what to do with your gift. I guess that's what I'm saying. You knew you got the gift, but you knew what to do with it. You know how many people get that gift and they don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to accept it. They don't know how to express it. And, and they and they fail miserably. Um, and it's sad. But I'm grateful to sit amongst such amazing people and grateful to, to know that you're all doing what love at your highest level so that's my my little great gratitude for being here today Lou. Yes. yes i just wanted to add something i mean my connection with bob egan is that thank i'm also you. a thank you, thank you very uh oh. amateur perspective compared to the other caliber of people on this call but um this season i just started singing with a group called holiday express it was started in 19 a uh, little over 31 years ago by tim McClune who's an entrepreneur and restaurateur here at the Jersey Shore. And Holiday Express, right? Um, they We do about 100 gigs between the beginning of November until Christmas, going to some of the facilities of the forgotten, uh, to uh, oh. homeless shelters, to folks that are physically, mentally challenged, to all of the special needs student schools around the state of New Jersey, and bring right. them holiday cheer. Oh, my um, God, what are you trying to do? Make me cry here? It's you know it's just you know it's just amazing. So just adding to your comment, it's one thing to take our gifts and use it for financial or our own emotional gain. It's another thing to just give it freely to folks that are somewhat forgotten and don't have that outreach. Um, yeah. And to see the smiles on these adults and children's faces because we came and gave of ourselves to them is so much more rewarding than what you might see in a, oh in a bank book or something. That's beautiful. God bless you. Really. Well, speaking of which, uh, Seth and Nicholas, you just recently performed at the Actors Home in Inglewood. Am I right about that? We did. That was really, it was really exciting. Oh, we were twice. Asked, yeah, twice. We were asked by Seth Rudetsky to go because Seth's mother, mm. uh, not this Seth, Seth Rudetsky's mother um, uh, is there. And uh, he, he lured us there the, fir the, the first thing by saying, you know, we're doing a special Mother's Day um uh, concert and Cheetah Rivera is going to be on the bill. Would you two like to? And before he even asked, finished the question, we went, Yes, <laughs> we'll be there. <clears throat> and uh, there's it was more to that story that you don't know about. Um, he called Cheetah and he said, You're not going to believe this, but Seth and Nicholas are on the bill. Would you like to? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> it was really, it's really cool. I think that place is really cool because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's built people that have dedicated their, their lives to the same craft that we do and that we all do. And it's, it's kind of nice to see, you know, that not only are they being taken care of, but once you start singing songs that they know and that they love, they light up. There's like a few, you know, former chorus girls that get up and dance. And like, it's just, it's so awesome to see. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I want to share one thing before I take off. Yes, Steve. Um, and thanks for being here today. Oh, well, thank yes, you. Steve, thank you. Good, great it. to meet you. My, my pleasure. Um, my Mel, my dad had five kids 
and none of them have children except for me. Uh, I have now what that speaks to. That's a whole other show. But anyway, <laughs> I have two, I have two daughters, and these shows that we're going to be doing called for kids from one to ninety two. Obviously, one of the songs we do we do is the Christmas song. So my dad never met my daughters. He passed away before they were born. But it's pretty cool that they're going to come on stage with me, and they're going to sing their grandfather's song with their dad. Which I think might be the best oh. Christmas song. Yeah, it's hard to argue with. Uh, you know, I think I got it to Richard uh, last year. I wrote a song that, and I didn't do it to compete with Dad. I'm, I don't, I don't look to do that. Uh, but I wrote a song called "I Remember Christmas Time," which is about what we've been yes. talking about. You know, how we, oh, well, thank you, and you know how it's nostalgic. We look back on this was what my childhood was like, and for my girls to be up on stage with me and for me to sing "I Remember Christmas Time" and thinking of them and how they were little people when when we had them and I was in a park and I was thinking of Christmas and. You just become very tear-filled. So I'm going to try and sing the Christmas song with them on stage and not look at them because it, I, there's no way I will get through. You oh. won't. You no. won't. But no, it, it's beautiful that that's happening. <laughs> and again, I wish you a happy Thanksgiving. What are your plans for Thanksgiving before you go? Uh, well, we're hosting 28 people here at the house. Oh, wow. No, none of them are family, just people off the street. We're just going to <laughs> I love that. You, come that's in. better. No one will fight. So, yeah, no, we have 28 family members coming over, and fortunately, <laughs> we actually get along. We 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 don't discuss politics. We talk about you know how bad the Packers might be, and that's about it. And how bad a conversation can that be? So we'll have 28 people here. Too much food, and we'll have a good time. Great. Are, 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 is anyone doing the cooking, or are you having it catered? What's the? No, my my wife and I are going to do it. We're gonna we're gonna dig wow. in, and, wow. and nice. If, if the food's going to be good, she's going to do it. So, uh, my turkey is grinding as we speak. <laughs> I can get out of here. I'm, I'm going to go hit the gym. Thank you. Go. It's good to see Happy you. Thank you. Nicholas, Thank love you, my man. I love you, too. Meet you. See if you're welcome you. here anytime. Hey, Richard. Take care. Thank you. What a great guy. By the way, everybody who's watching, go back and look at my interview with him. It's a great interview. I had a, a lot of fun with him. Uh, but Glenn, speaking of the actor's home, uh, Peter Howard ended up at the actor's home. I knew that, um, yeah. Yeah, I used to go and visit him. My dear friend Dodie Goodman was there. And mm -hmm. uh, so I'd go and sit with Peter. And uh, he was just the greatest guy. Uh, I've got some questions here that I wanted to ask you because I'm always interested in about process and and all of that. Um, I'm a, a big proponent of The Artist Way by Julia Cameron. I do my morning pages every morning. And these questions are based on things that have popped out uh, for me from the book. And I'll start with you, Richard. Uh, and it says, um, the best, uh, I'm going to make this about our theme today. What is the best piece of music that you heard this week that you want to let everyone know about? Oh, what did I do? Can it be holiday-related? It could be holiday-related, absolutely. Um, let me see. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, I think, uh, well, oh, if I were the world, Karen Akers at her cabaret show on Monday night at Birdland, I mean, she was riveting, and I, it's like I heard that song for the first time, if I were the The world by uh, Brickus, and she she applied 
to what was going on in the world today. And I, you know, she's one was so right because um, they said on Facebook, someone said on Facebook that she was the closest thing to Wilson right now, uh, as in terms of being a storyteller and a grand, a grand interpreter of song. And when I heard that song, I thought that was the, the greatest music I heard this week. If I were the world. That's great. Lou, I want to make this a little bit about Bob Egan. I know he's watching. So how did you and Bob meet? And how did you begin? I know that you do shows built around the jukebox theme. Yeah, so Bob um, Bob and I both have places here in Asbury Park. Um, and the music scene is is alive and just very positive in this area. Um, my, my affection, as I spoke earlier about the early, the late fifties and early sixties, um, I, I pick up on Steve's comment, you know, singing and performing for me has always been about entertaining the audience, not about what I want to do. And so in looking at, you know, the demographics and thinking about even some of the younger folks, those songs from those, from that period are just so reminiscent and so we've put together a 60s jukebox show that starts with uh, no introduction, but immediately launches into Be My Baby, just oh. like uh, Dirty <laughs> Dancing started off. And it just really sets folks in motion that, you know, they're there to participate, not just to sit there passively. And wow. we go through some of those great old Carol King songs and, and Jerry Goffin and, and those. And it just... It's a feel-good type of perspective, and we've been taking it around to a lot of the 55 and over communities. That's, and they love it. They absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. uh, Glenn, what did you discover about yourself from right. the last, uh, right. coming back to Spamalot uh, from the first time you did it? Oh, it was, it was very surreal because I kept hearing jokes that I think are funny in general, and I kind of forgot they were in Spamalot. So... I, I I saw it opening night, and that was the first time I saw the revival. But I wrote all the incidental and dance music and all the arrangements for the for the piece, and it was I was very pleased. I thought I was pretty good then. I, you know, I, I was like, yeah. Glenn. Oh, by the way, can I ask can can I answer Richard's question about the best piece of music? Yes, because I've been obsessed with Wonderful Town lately and uh, the cast album with Rosalind Russell. And I'm, I've been listening to Rung Note Rag over and over again. It's the most wonderful piece. Yeah. If you want to be happy, listen to that. Okay. So wonderful. Good. Yes. Um, I was lucky enough just a few months ago uh, to go to Joe's Pub, uh, where uh, Leonard Bernstein's daughter uh, also, uh, they did a whole evening built around that show. And it was just incredible. It's one of my favorite scores. Oh, it's a great score. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Seth, a lot of people terrific show. like to complain and kvetch. Um, say something. Uh, no. <laughs> no, not to my, not to my knowledge. Uh, you know, should they be, by the way? No. Uh, no. Uh, but I'm asking this question because a lot of people like to complain of kvetch and it's Thanksgiving. What is something that you're truly thankful for in this industry? I'm thankful for all the men, the great mentors that I've had. I wow. have, have had, including Glenn Kelly, um, my you know friend David Cromer, who I've assisted a lot, Stephen Sondheim. I've been lucky to I've been lucky to be around you know some of the greats. And Nicholas, so have you. I know that you have. 
uh, and uh, starting out uh, when you could barely uh, walk across the stage. So you've been around, you've been in this business your whole life. Um, what are three habits that are very much a part of your process when doing a new show? Three habits? Um, yeah. Well, um, the first thing I try to do is I, I, I want, I, whenever I'm preparing something, I, I want to I make sure that what I'm saying or singing or performing means something to me in that moment. It has to be relevant to me at the moment. Otherwise, if it's not real to me, then I, I just, it, I can, you know, it doesn't, it's, it's not exciting. I want it to, I want it to be relevant to how I feel uh, at the, at the time. I'm also feeling uh, prepared uh, with your, with your musical director, with your arrangements, you know, really knowing what you do. I, I don't really like to do, you know, um, totally brand new stuff. Uh, that's very scary. I mean, I, Seth did a wonderful job of, of it last night, you know, but he, he's been practicing, you know, for it all month. I mean, I, I do the same thing. You know, I, I can't, I don't like to try new things out unless I've, unless I'm really, really confident that they're, that they're going to work. Um, and thirdly, I just, I, I, I try not to stress too much because I, I, I remember that I just really love what I do. And sometimes I can feel a little bit overwhelmed and I just have to go, stop it, stop it, stop it. You love what you're doing to shut up and enjoy it. Cause there's so much, there's so much to enjoy. And we can, we, we, we get in our own heads and we talk ourselves in and out of things and we stress over the stupidest things. And I, I find that that is such a waste of our energy. And I just, I try to stop myself when I find myself spiraling into a, into a stress ball and say, nope, just remember why you're doing this in the first place. Cause you love it. And just have fun and enjoy it. I was watching Bill Maher the other night and he was talking about all this endless chatter on uh, the internet. And he said, there should be a hashtag that says hashtag no opinion. And so if someone's going down that path and they're going to spiral into uh, a complaint fest, say no opinion and leave the room. So uh, but Tess, I'm going to talk about you for just a moment because Tess is one of the best voiceover people that I know. Uh, she's also uh, an authoress because she has a book called Merry Witchmas, uh, which is about Santa Claus and a witch. Uh, Santa Claus doesn't believe in the witch, the witch doesn't believe in Santa Claus, and they come together. I, I want to get that. Well, You've got to get it. It is one. It is incredible. The illustrations are gorgeous. Thank uh, you. Wonderful. But I wanted to ask you, Tess, um, do you sing at all? I do. Uh, yes. Um, who are some of your mentors in this business? Um, you know, this is a great story. I'm going to make it really short. My parents owned a 250-year-old hotel in Hackettstown, New Jersey, in this early 70s, and it was called the Clarendon Hotel. And my dad was obsessed with music, and my Uncle Benny knew Jackie Gleason and, you know, a whole bunch of cabaret people and when he was alive he made it a point to try to get some of those people out to the hotel to sing and one particular set of um of guys it was a trio it was called the nick jaggy trio and um the father nello nello mashi would entertain for us because I would be up there, you know what, waiting for them to practice and play and listen to them sing and whatever. And he used to stand on his drums and take knives and, you know, just drum. And I was so blown away by that. But Tony Angelo, God rest his soul, he used to say, come on, come on, come on, come, come up to the stage, sing when you're smiling. 
And it was my dad and my favorite song that we used to sing. And by the by the grace of God, Jill and Rich Schweitzer, you're talking about mentors. So I'm trying to get everybody in because we're running out of time. No, well, I want to add, I, I, you're going right where I wanted you to go. Because we, we <laughs> Jill is watching. Yes, we went into the studio and Jill and Rich held my hand and and let me um, record that when you're smiling. And it was great. It was I did it for, you know, for many, many reasons. I, I wanted um, I want to have a voice, um, a singing part on my voiceover demo so that when I got into animation, the producers would know, oh, my God, this kid, she could at least sing, you know, a little a little melody, something. And they helped me with it. So I feel like from that point of the Claritin on and getting that little taste of all those cabaret people coming out to the Claritin to now, it's like God's been really good to me and put his hand on my shoulder and everyone has helped me. So I'm really, I'm really grateful to have some really great people. Avery Summers, you know, another one that you look up to. Nicholas, I love you. I can't wait to see you. Here's the plug in Juno Beach on December the fifth. <laughs> so, I, I, that's. I hope I answered your question. Well, thank you, Jill Schweitzer. For anyone out there who's listening right now, has an incredible book called The Contemporary Singer's Handbook. Um, I love, love, love this book. And as I am getting back into doing live performance again, I'm already booked at, I'll put in my plug, I'm going to be at the Laurie Beachman on February 11th, celebrating my 63rd birthday. Um, and it's a show that I'm about to take around the country. Uh, so uh, if, you know, if you're around... What's the show, Richard? What's the show? Um, next year is the 60th anniversary of Hello, Dolly. Yeah. And I thought, and I'm going to be telling stories about all of the women and a few men who have played Dolly, uh, and what it was that each one of them brought to the show. But what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be placing it against the backdrop. Today, as all of you know, is the anniversary of the assassination of John Kennedy. Um, Hello, Dolly had its first pre uh, preview. Uh, in Detroit on uh, December uh, on November 18th, and uh, and then this happened, um, and it changed the world. Uh, and the next stop was Washington D.C., and uh, they were all concerned about whether or not uh, the show would have uh, any drawing power uh, because of what was going on in the world. But then a little 45 came out. Speaking of 45s. Um, Louis Armstrong's Hello Dolly, and it changed everything. So, uh, and speaking of the Beatles, that song knocked the Beatles off the charts. So, a uh, lot of stories about the history of the show. So, yes, I'm going to give each one of you a chance to have your final word today. Thank you all for being here. I thank everybody who's watching. Uh, in this business, and I know I can speak for every single thank person you. on the show. When you show up, we don't take it lightly. So all of you who showed up today, thank you for being here. Um, and uh, leave a comment on YouTube and share this with your friends. And go out and see a live show. There's nothing like it.
Um, I'm going to give each of you, as we said, a chance to have your final word. It could be about anything that we spoke about that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message you want to leave everyone with today. Um, I end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Pick up the phone and call a friend that you have not spoken to in a while. Go to your database, your Facebook list, uh, wherever it is that you keep all your friends together and reach out to the eighth name that pops up and reach out with a phone call and let that person know the impact that they've made on your life. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, a phone call. And by letting them know the impact, especially this time of year, that they've made on your life, you're going to make an impact on their life. A dear friend, and he says, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different size boats. And I always say, I don't care what size boat you're on, as long as you have a skipper by your side. <laughs> I'm going to leave the screen. And Richard, I'm going to turn it over to you. And when you finish, you will pick the next person. And everybody, leave Ted for last. Uh, so Tess, you'll close this out today. Okay. So Richard, it's all yours. Bless you. Thank you so much, Richard Skipper, for inviting me as mystery guest. Um, I couldn't think of a better Thanksgiving to give to me, to share, to be sharing my thoughts and views with talented artists. And um, I really want to say, uh, especially to Seth and, um, and to Nicholas, uh, what you were saying about uh, it's all about giving. It's all about not, you know, it's not about yourself as the performer. It's about giving to others and, and having them respond. That is the greatest reward that you can give um, to um, an audience, especially an audience uh, consisting of seniors such in the actor's home. And I think what you've done there is, is it deserves a big round of applause. So God bless you for doing that. And I want to say God bless you all. I want to wish you all a very happy and peaceful Thanksgiving. Thank you for you know letting me be a part of this, and um, I will uh, turn it over to Seth and Nicholas. Thank you, Richard. I love you. You want to go first? <laughs> uh, first of all, thank you, Richard, for having us on here, and thanks, Tess, for for requesting us. That was such a such a lovely gesture. My pleasure. Um, and. Um, I don't know. I'd say uh, go go sing for old people. It'll nourish your soul. <laughs> uh, I, just, I, I I just think that um, you know, I I appreciate the the idea around Thanksgiving and and the uh, the the chance it gives for all of us to reflect. I I would I would love to suggest that we do it all year round and not just one time a year because we have so much to be grateful for. I'm grateful. For you, for Tess, you're just the, one of the sweetest people on the planet, and uh, I'm thankful to get to know someone like Glenn, who's become a newer friend to me, who I just admire tremendously. Lou, I do not know you, but I'm sure I would like you just as well. <laughs> Thank you. But it's you know, it's I, I think um, I feel like we're very lucky. We we get to be in um, in the happy business. We're in the happy business. We make people happy with with our music. We we move them, uh, or our art, our our acting, whatever it is that that we're doing. We move people. We make them happy, and I think that that's something. Yeah. If you remember that, that you're in the happy business, I think uh, it's it, it's the it's the pill to cure what ails you. So, thank that you. That was beautiful. Shall we turn it to Glenn? Yes, we'll turn it to Glenn. 
Gee, what nice people you all are. Everyone was so nice. I, I just want to echo what Richard said. Everyone should see a live show, especially one that I worked on, if possible. <laughs> so happy holidays. And it was a, a great pleasure. Bye-bye, guys. Bye now. Well, I guess it's just you and me, Tess. <laughs> the two Jersey kids. Yeah. No, it's it's amazing. I actually have a friend that uh, owns a, a catering hall out in Hackettstown. I'm going to have to look it up, but um, I found I want to understand because uh, other friends just had their daughter's wedding there. But uh, my friend that owned it, I, I know, passed away a few years ago. I think it was called David's Country Inn. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know that very, very well. I lived in that town for a very, very long time. So, yeah, so oh. I have to look up. It reminds me of my friend Lou because he was another Lou that owned yeah. it. But I think, you know, I think one of the, and to add just to everyone else's comments, the uh, the wonderful universality of music and how it brings people together um, from, and when you look at the generations, you look at the venues and the, the various genres of music, it's something that just unifies us as a people and gives us humanity. For sure. For sure. Cool. Thank you. Have a great holiday. Thank you, Lou. You too. You and All your right. family. I'll talk with you soon. Sounds good, Tess. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, thank you, Richard, so much for having me today. And uh, I felt like I was with old friends sitting in a living room and just getting to know one another. And as Lou said, you know, we are all together uh, in this commonality and languages of love. For me, it's food <laughs> and music. But I do want to thank everybody today. Uh, thanks for welcoming me, making me feel so loved and um I learned a lot from all of you, and I wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving. I wrote a little something that I'm going to um, read to you just for a little fun. Jukebox jam and memories flow. Great times together. Let them show. Time to say goodbye for now. Each one of us taking a bow. The time just flew without one snafu. I pray many blessings come your way on this eve of Thanksgiving Day. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks again for a wonderful show.